Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome into episode one of the Portland Winterhawks podcast, the inaugural episode here on 1080 The Fan, the Odyssey app, or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm your host, Anditor Johnson. For those of you who don't know me, I host the morning talk show over on The Fan, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. I've also had the chance to do some color commentary for Winterhawks TV games over the last handful of years. I've had a blast doing those and and being closer to the hockey team and uh, so excited to get this new venture up and running, a joint collaboration between 1080 the fan and the Portland Winterhawks you know I, I grew up in this city going to Portland Winterhawks games with Brad Isbister and Joey Tedarinko and Jason LaBarbera and Brendan Morrow uh, you know Marty Standish some, some great throwback names for the Hawk fans who've been around a while I know that might make some of you roll your eyes if you remember Hawks players uh, prior to that but hey don't kill the messenger that was my childhood growing up I used to go to birthday parties at the at the Rose Garden at the Coliseum so been a fan of this team from afar and followed them my entire life, getting a chance to work with them now. It's, it's a dream come true for me, and I'm so excited uh, to bring you this. B- before we get to the meat and potatoes of episode one, here's what you can expect. This is going to be a podcast that uh, airs or we, we release every other week, and we're going to sit down with Nick Merrick on every show, get an update from the play-by-play man, what he's thinking, what he's seeing out of this team, and what he's making of the U.S. division race. We'll give you some in-depth interviews with coaches, with players, behind-the-scenes folks like trainers. Uh, equipment guys, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into running uh, a hockey team, and I'm excited to kind of give you that peek behind the curtain of what what it's like uh, inside a Western Hockey League organization. Uh, but mainly, we just we want to provide an outlet for you to, you know, listen and have fun and joke and and talk about you know how players are playing and how the team's doing and get to know some of these guys on a more personal level. That's one of my main goals out of this. So uh, really excited to get this thing going. The Hawks have already played here six games early on in the season. And uh, they're off to a really good start. I mean, a slow opening trio of games, that that lone point coming in the shootout loss to Tri-City. But you look after that now here in the last three, Portland's rattled off three consecutive wins. A 4-2 win over Seattle up at the Showware Center, a 3 to nothing shutout win their first of the season at home against Spokane, and then a 4-3 to win this past weekend over Tri-City. And boy, do they got a big weekend coming up uh, with Everett coming to town. So we'll, we'll tease that here at the end of the podcast. But let's get to it. So... 
Here's an editor's note for you. I had the chance to sit down with Nick Merrick and Mike Johnson recently over at the Memorial Coliseum, stopped by, and uh, it was a great time catching up with those guys and that you could just see the excitement on their faces about the upcoming season. It should be noted, these were recorded prior to the start of the season, but uh, being that we're only six games in, it's still early on, and not much has changed with the roster. Portland's still without some key guys. Uh, so not much has changed, and I want to get right into these. So Nick Merrick, my good buddy, the play-by-play voice of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. We'll start with him, a guy who's going to p- appear on this podcast every other week. The voice of the Portland Winterhawks, Nick Merrick. How you doing, buddy? How's it going? Andy, great to see you again. I'm doing well. I think it's been a long time coming to uh, get us both back together in a rink. It was a short <laughs> off season, I suppose, but uh, for the sake of things, you know, it's it's been over 570 days since the Hawks and the fan base Holy. got to get back together for a hockey game, so it, it's feeling a little bit more normal. We could talk some uh, talk shop a little bit here. I mean, how excited are you? I know, I mean, you mentioned doing the TV games. I had the chance that we did two or three, whatever it was last year, a very short run, but it was a very weird feeling broadcasting a game with no fa- – I, mean, I felt like I was watching a glorified practice. And you really rely, I think, as a broadcaster sometimes on the crowd to bring that energy. When there's a goal and you're in, a, you're in an opposing barn or in your own building, you kind of get up for it. How hard was that for you last year? Well, as much as you and I felt that, that you need to feed off that fan energy, the players felt it that, mu- that much more. Um, I mean, it, it was a missing piece. There was obviously some beautiful cardboard cutouts of the fans from uh, across Portland. Our, our fans up in, in Canada as well got to purchase some, and, and they were present at least for that 24 game season but it's a completely different ball game it, it's it, you kind of set the scene well where it's like almost like a glorified practice except you're just scrimmaging against the team in different jerseys <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right. you know because the standings didn't matter it didn't matter if you're gonna win a championship it didn't matter if you won one game zero games 24 games you got the experience you get to move on to this year and now the stage is set where there's a full 68 game season there's 34 hawks home games and you're basically you know you're you're gearing up and you're trying to remember what normal looked like back in 2019 god it's it's wild that it's been that long and the season gets underway Friday night the opener on the road home opener is going to be on Saturday what was it that I mean you have one of the rare people that got a chance to get a close look at the preseason games now I, it's hard to know what to put into preseason hockey but an undefeated slate I think you always take that you'd rather be undefeated than winless right going into the regular season correct what what stood out to you getting a chance to watch some of these young guys some of the young players that are now kind of coming into prominent roles what, what was the eye catcher for you I think the biggest thing is with so many players away at NHL camp the Winterhawks had 14 current and former players at camps to start this season and that's not even talking training camps that's just the rookie camps into main camp Um, so I would expect another 10 to 15 more at main camp but of those 14 10 of them would be eligible to come back and play for Portland so essentially a 23-man roster you're missing over a third of your team uh, that essentially could be for this 21-22 season so you're getting a lot more experience the youth you get to see some of those younger guys you see some of those second-year players who got their tastes of Western Hockey League action last year see them make their next steps Marcus Nguyen was phenomenal he scored a goal in every game against every U.S. division opponent uh, and a fun stat from uh, our team statistician Andy Kemper uh, Oliver Bjork Strand was one of the only other players to actually do that. There's a few, but wow. not many, to score four preseason goals or average a goal per game in preseason. So high expectation to live up. I don't know if Marcus <laughs> is going to be that kind of player, but hey, those are the leaps you like to see in year two. Um, so getting those extra reps from some of those players and, and maybe a guy who'd be playing third line last season where you and I got to see him. The fans got to see him a little bit as well when they tuned in online, but they don't know where they kind of fit in. Now all of a sudden they're playing those top line roles and they're looking like those top 
top line players. So Portland's a program that builds with depth. They come in with a lot of uh, a lot of talent in their lineup. You know, there's almost that joke where you don't really have a top line. You kind of have four lines that can roll easily as your top line. Of course, you're going to have your top first round NHL draft picks like Seth Jarvis. But it, it's nice to see the players really just pick up the slack and bring that winning mentality in the locker room. And the biggest thing I learned is just how united this team really is. There's so much chemistry in the locker room where they'll pick things up right away. And I feel like when I first started in this league about four years ago, you would notice some of the 20-year-olds maybe separating themselves from 16-year-olds. And they were almost like they were two separate sides of the locker room. Now there's just one good unit. They all communicate well together. They hang out together as much as they can outside of the rink. And it feels more of like that full team family atmosphere, which I think helped them as well in preseason. I'm curious to ask you about that because you do get a glimpse that most fans and media members don't get. I mean, you get kind of the behind-the-scenes access. Is that something that has to do with the change in leadership in the locker room? Is that something that's been instilled by coaching? Is that something that just maybe because of the last year that we've been through, they've grown together? How do you kind of quantify why that has become? Because I think any coach would love to hear that about their team. I think that's a good question. This this would be something that you could honestly talk for hours on. Uh, I think it starts at the coaching level and from the hockey operations side when the you know your scouts are first recruiting players and um, maybe it's in Portland, maybe it's in Saskatchewan, maybe it's in British Columbia. That's the first interaction the players will have with your organization and how it's kind of outwardly portrayed. Then, of course, you get the internal setting. Once you're signed, you're here, you're present, you're playing in Portland. It comes from the leadership of the coaching staff and, and obviously their experience between uh, Mike Johnston, Don Hay, and Brian Peller. And there's uh, a whole plethora of experience there and success as well through so many different levels at hockey. So the players can kind of look at them at, at you know this big awe, like, oh, you know these coaches are going to put me on the right path. And they do because they know what it's like. They've been in their shoes before either as a player or as a younger coach um, so they kind of know what to expect to navigate these you know these early parts of the season and then you get the players side when they come in they mature so quickly because uh, they're forced to be away from home at such a young age that they have to kind of grab onto their billet families who are housing them their their teammates who then instantly have to become their friends as well because you're moving you know maybe a thousand two thousand miles away from home so you have to adapt quickly it's almost like that fight or flight sensation <laughs> in a weird right, way right um, but I, I think the, the leadership then the locker room kind of goes throughout and you'll start finding the guys who, who wear the letters who are your captain or your alternate captains. Of course, they're always going to stay out in the locker room. But the culture here in Portland is there's 23 leaders. When there's 23 guys, they're all leaders and, and they can kind of step up and they feed off one another. So it's it's wild to see how it builds even from day one of training camp until you get towards hopeful playoff run, just how much a team can grow together within, you know, a short eight-month period. It is, and I think it's, you know, if you've watched the Western Hockey League long enough, there are examples over the years of guys that – yeah, get get. It's like a big kid in a small town, right? Like you get exactly. to that point when you become that 19-year-old, you're a first-round draft selection. I'm sure your goals and aspirations are at the next level. You're thinking about the AHL. You're thinking about the NHL. And you, you can – I think sometimes teams can suffer from that. And occasionally you look on paper and you say, look at this guy, look at that guy. How is this team not performing better? And I think part of that is occasionally you'll get that with 19- or 20-year-olds that they just would rather be somewhere else. And so I think to build that in a locker room at this level especially – uh, it's got to give you a leg up on your competition just to have everybody that's kind of uh, on the same page. Who, who are the players uh, that, you're, that you think are poised, for at least for the, from the fan base angle, 
that they're going to be most excited about this year because when under Mike Johnson, it's been so fun in his tenure to see that next big name that comes up, that next big you know Jarvis is is a case of that right now. We'll wait and see if he comes back. I know that everybody here would love to see him back in the lineup, but I remember getting a chance to watch him as a young kid and thinking, all right, you know, you know, good, good play. He's small, he's undersized, he's gonna and then the next thing you know, he just pops and he becomes that top line guy. Yes, that first round Bantam draft selection that you would love to build a team around. Who do you think the next guy is or the next guys on this? roster that uh, are ready for that role I think it's very multifaceted I I think for starters uh, fans should be excited about seeing those NHL players return when they do Um, you know the guys who got drafted this past summer Kozak McCleary uh, the Seth Jarvis's the Cross Hannis's who already got drafted a few years ago and then now you get that next wave of draft pick players that fans didn't really get a chance to experience full-on last year because they only got to witness them through a computer monitor or (laughs) you know a TV screen that was plugged in or their cell phones because fans weren't allowed to come in here so a lot of those 2004 born players um, which would be the 17 year old age year this year the ones who are fighting for their chance to get drafted it's gonna be exciting to see which personalities kind of click and um, you know showcasing some of those players both on and off the ice to see who fans gravitate to I think Kyle Chizowski uh, is one player he was one of our higher drafted players out of the Bantam pick uh, a few years ago I think he made tremendous steps as a 16 year old last year and he's going to be a fun centerman to keep an eye on and I think he's going to do well in this system. He won the Winterhawks Rookie of the Year as well, so he has a little bit of uh, expectations, if you will, because sure. the fan base can at least see that, and they know it to how to comprehend that when you get a Seth Jarvis and a Tyson Kozak who were in those same shoes of being a Rookie of the Year, and then they got drafted by an NHL team the very next season, so maybe Kyle Chizowski could fit that role well. Uh, defensively, there's so many new faces back there as well. There's a whole lot of depth for the Winterhawks on defense. I think Luca Cagnoni is going to be one to keep an eye on. He's not even draft eligible until 2023 um, because he's born in December, but you'll get a chance to see him for the first time on ice. I think he has a tremendous offensive uh, instincts for a defenseman. Everyone loves the stay-at-home defenseman. You love playing a two-way <laughs> right. game, but it's also flashy when you could be a big guy in the power play. You could put the puck in the net, uh, and, and you're so young where you could be with this Portland team for f- next four years. Uh, it kind of gives you a chance to build as well and, and get the fans a, a you know a glimpse at him for the first time. Uh, I think Marcus Newen, Aiden Litke all made big steps. Jonah Bevington still nursing an injury, but um, you know he's he's got some promise as well from the forward perspective moving into this year. Uh, there's a couple newcomers, Dawson Pasternak, who was with the club before COVID, ended up moving away to play juniors in Chicago. Now he's back. So your forward courts, wow, there's so many veterans. Right, Even right. though there's those second-year players where teams, you know, where the fans haven't seen maybe, let's say, eight or nine of those guys, they still were a part of the 24-game schedule last year. So it's going to be a very unique group. Um, and I think there's a whole lot of excitement kind of throughout the lineup and you can kind of pick whichever way you want to go but this is going to be a dangerously good Portland team and I, I think the Hawks fans need to really soak it in I, I think they do but uh, you know this is a big year to win it and Mike Johnson has told me oftentimes he thought the team could win in 2019-2020 before COVID happened and I would agree there was a team where you didn't have to make any roster moves because they were so well built they they were exceeding expectations because kind of before that season the funny part is the coaches and the scouts were all saying this would be a good year we don't know what to expect because there's a couple of unknowns but we thought that 2021 season which unfortunately was the the COVID season that there was no championship to play for they kind of had their eyes set that that was going to be the first year to really go for it all but then there was that nice surprise so now you're kind of in this nice three or four year window where the Hawks could be championship contenders here Um, so it's going to be exciting to kind of watch them in and out 
up through all the rinks here in the U.S. division. And if he could travel up the British Columbia, hopefully there as well. Right. Hopefully you can get to see him all over the place. I, I can't wait to get the season started on Friday. Let's play some fun get-to-know-Nick Merrick stuff real quick. Okay? Right. So uh, if my uh, research is, is correct, you were an Arizona State grad? Correct. Now, how did Nick Merrick get into hockey, and how did he land in Portland? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, big Carolina Hurricanes fan growing up. Went okay. to Canes games because uh, I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina originally. And always kind of was drawn into the sport of hockey through my mom and dad. Um, took that to Arizona State, wanted to be that sports journalist role. So, of course, why not go to sports? And what better than hockey in the desert, right? <laughs> so uh, just stumbled into a good opportunity there where I, I thought I wanted to do uh, maybe more of your role, Andy. Okay. Thought, I thought we'd be flipping roles here. <laughs> um, but then decided, no, I really want to be in hockey specifically. I want to work in the team environment. And here we are chatting about it. And ultimately kind of got my start in junior hockey in Texas. Uh, so work with another program that's set up the same way as Portland where you get 15 to 20 year olds playing to move on to the next level um, and that was down in Texas kind of in the Fort Worth area and then after a few years got an opportunity to come up to Portland and have extremely enjoyed my time here. I mean it's a, it's a crazy I, I love that from North Carolina to Arizona that's such a funny hockey trajectory isn't it? Big time. And it kind of just speaks to the, the, the pockets of love that this sport has all over the country that you wouldn't necessarily you know if I told you North Carolina sports interests hockey would probably come and fit, right? I mean, right. let's get college basketball is huge out there. Football is huge. We know that. Baseball is big in that area. So it's so funny you go from there to Arizona State. And I, Arizona State's got a great club hockey team, don't they? They do. They had. Well, I guess they should say they had a great club hockey team. They won some championships. And then right when I was making this transition into Portland was when the news was finally breaking that they were going to go Division One. Okay, so there you go. Arizona State's now Division One program. Same head coach, uh, a lot of same personnel as well that I got to work with in my time in college, and, and it's a really good program, so it's fun to see that. I even see a couple guys around the rink wearing some Sparky the Sun Devil hats, and <laughs> right, I'm teasing them right. and saying, hey, Caden, nice, nice hat. I yeah. approve it. Um, <laughs> but it's neat because I, I get to see that college side, and then I get to come to Portland and, and see the pro side. So you get a little glimpse of both and really how well the organizations push their players, promote their players, help their players, and, and make sure they can do whatever they can to succeed. Right. That, of course, is the choice for all these young hockey players is which route do you want to try to take to get to the next level. Last one for you. Now, I know when, when you and I, at least on you, we'll get back to the Winterhawks, but you and I, when we do these TV games, you are, uh, you are my guiding light because we'll sit there before a game, and I'm going to go over about 10 to 15 names with you and say, can we give me a pronunciation, pronunciation, pronunciation. What's the toughest name you've had to pronunciate? Ooh, the one that just, or at least the one that tripped you up the most in your in your tenure here in Portland. You know, that's a great question. I you put me on the spot here, big time. I'd probably be, <laughs> if I if I had a second to look through some rosters, I'd be able to pull it up because usually those names you blank out. You you don't want to remember them when they move on anymore. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. But the last year or two have been have been fairly easy, and I'm very thankful for that. I I don't even have an answer for it. I know there's some some hard ones. I'm sure some people listening in are going to say, "Oh, Nick, you you bumbled over this name a ton." Um, they would never do that. They would never do that to you on Twitter. No, I know, right? Of course, they would never would. Um, but I, I would flip it actually in a weird way. Here's here's me uh, throwing it the other direction sure uh the one i get the most from other people is cross hannis and clay Hannis. totally i know you and i always talk about that too where you have to you got to 
you know, basically hammer that into your brain that this is how it is. And it's funny because you hear the other, you know, when I get to go to the visiting rinks, I'll hear the other public address announcements kind of going over when a goal scored. And sometimes <laughs> since they're on the power play together, right, they'll right. be on the same play. And you're like, Hannes, uh, Hannes, like, Hannes, who is it? <laughs> and they, they, you know, it's funny too, because they are actual billet brothers here. They're, they're uh, doing the same exact experience, the same family. So essentially they are brothers, even though their last names, they aren't. And one's from Minnesota, one's from Texas, so the running inside joke there has been, oh, the Texas one or the, the right, Minnesota right, right. One. Where are they from? I know our good friend Ian Furness always has a great time with those. Every time he comes to town, he yes. looks over the names, and you just hope they don't pass to each other. But you know what's bound to happen eventually. My favorite name story I think over the last couple of years is Henry Jokiharju, yes, who is now in the National Hockey League and he's turned into a great professional player. But I, his name, I swear, from a TV game at the start of the year to a TV game in the middle of the year to a TV game at the end of the year, changed every single time I came in. I was going to say that was the old uh that was the tale i heard around the offices for sure was how many times his name changed and also chase delio it was chase delio yes. chase delio uh it was a space with the de everything changes and, he, and you sit here wondering and it's like i'm just thankful my name is nick merrick it's easy and, to do and they goof it up i'll get marrick a lot you know or different things or market you know when you get the telemarketers um it's pretty funny but it's 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 not too hard when our names are at least relatively simple compared to some of the times and yeah yoki Har are you jokey how are you yoki how are you I, you know there's 18 <laughs> ways i feel like i've heard people say it and i always get a good laugh when i talk with uh, some of the former broadcasters here in portland and obviously like guys like andy kemper who are still sure. around and the coaching staff and lisa holland back in our um hockey ops department and, and we all kind of share a laugh over some of those situations because you look back in a couple of years like we're doing now and it's like wow you know we were goofing about the kid's name because he was giving us 18 different ways of saying it and then you see him succeed in the nhl and now you get a good laugh whenever you see him on right exactly you remember those fun those fun stories from their time here so lo looking at this team I mean I think it's really exciting it was I, the disappointment was there. I think it's a forgotten thing from some sports fans in this area about how good that team in 2019 was. They were rolling. They were poised for a deep playoff run that year. Things didn't go their way. Obviously, COVID shuts everything down. And there's been a lot of teams that I think, and I think of the Oregon women's basketball team is a similar example to that for those that don't remember how good that Portland Winterhawks team was. But how do you think they stack up this year in the U.S. division? I mean, we know Everett just brings it every single year. It, does, it feels like they can replace a goaltender with another first-round goaltender with another first-round goaltender. They play that, that sluggish, rough style that's so different, it feels like, from everybody else. Uh, not a ton known about Spokane and Tri-City. We'll kind of wait and see. Seattle, I, I think, is bringing a lot of young talent back. How do you think they stack up in the U.S. division? I think they stack up very well. Uh, and just to go off your earlier note, Portland is a championship town through all their sports. So it's it's one of those where you almost need to win some championships uh, just to, to make sure you, you keep attention on you because you're going to have the Blazers always contenders. Of course, you have the Oregon Ducks football, and the basketball program has been sensational. The Beavers look great in football this year. The Thorns are always doing their right, thing and winning. Right. The Hops have won so many years in a row. The Timbers are phenomenal. The Winterhawks are right there. So it's like everywhere you look down Portland and whatever scene you want to go to, there's championship teams, and that's what the Hawks are hoping for this year. And not even hoping, like, it, it's it's they, teams always say it's the goal. Yeah, it's the goal to win a championship. This team's coming in and like they don't have to say that. They're they're getting to work. They know it's it's their time, and this is what they've kind of waited this year and a half to get back into is this championship hockey. Um, you put me on the spot right now, and I would say the Hawks win the U.S. division. I think there's of course going to be some troubles along the way. I think Everett did. Um, 
regress a little bit. I don't think they're going to be as powerful as they have in the past couple of years. They have a sensational coach. They have a sensational defense, but they no longer have a, uh, a Carter Hart or a Dustin Wolf. They do have another four-letter goalie in Braden Holt, who we haven't had a chance to see yet, at least in preseason play. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the batons pass in the net. I think Portland and Seattle will probably be the most intriguing rivalry, maybe in the entire Western Conference, not even uh, in the U.S. division, but Portland and Seattle games are going to be stellar. There's extremely fast hockey. There's a lot of NHL talent. Wow. Uh, of course, you have the, the rivalry that's been rooted for years, and I think that's the one that's really going to decide the U.S. division, uh, at least when you look at things on paper and kind of assess some rosters and, and see who's back. But it's going to be exciting, and this team's they're ready to go, and now knock on wood, let's just hope everything stays this way so we can have a full 68-game season and uh, be talking about this playoff run hopefully in the next eight months or so. Amen to that, man. To have fans back in the building, Seattle be your home open or a red out at the Coliseum. It's just it, it's hard to start the year better than that. Last one for you before I let you go. What's your least favorite bus trip in the Western Hockey League? Ooh, um, Travel-wise, it's always tough to make the Eastern swing when you go out to uh, Manitoba, <laughs> Saskatchewan, just because of the duration. But they usually break a, a team bonding experience in the middle, so you're usually up in some mountains and some cabins doing some fun stuff with the team, and everyone's kind of coming together. Um, I think the Prince George trip is tough just because that's about a 13-and-a-half bus ride up oh. north. I oh. do like like Prince George, and uh, their their broadcast is a good buddy of mine as well. So uh, that's a huge perk of going to sure. Prince George. But sitting on the bus for a full. 13 and a half hours is tough because usually you'll make it a little over halfway and stop or you'll go up the night before to like Everett to at least chisel out three of those hours sure. and then it's just a full day of travel. <laughs> so all day, it's man. tough. And of course, I guess I say that more so because that is on our schedule this year, that Prince George trip. So hopefully I'll uh, I'll take some melatonin and pass out <laughs> in the second row of the bus. <laughs> yeah, last year you're just going Spokane, Tri-Cities, Seattle, Everett, just kind of in the nice little bubble right now. You got to yep. go back on those long bus trips this <laughs> yep. year, man. I got to get my bus legs better, queue up my my uh, my Netflix shows on my yep. on my iPad, but uh, for the people that know me, everyone knows that I can sleep pretty well on planes and buses. So I'll I'll get some Z's in when I can. <laughs> well, thank you for this, man. I can't wait. Uh, it's so fun to have you back on the call again this year. It's so fun to have hockey. It's just one of those things where I kind of wake up this week and it's oh my god. The Winterhawks are like hockey is back. I can't believe it. It just sneaks up on you. We're here in October, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to catch up. We're going to do this every other week, so we'll get to catch up with you a lot throughout the year. Have a great call Friday night, and thanks as always, man. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Looking forward to seeing you at the rink some more, and, and for the fans, thanks so much for uh, tuning in and for all your support throughout COVID and even well before I even arrived here in Portland. But I could tell you from a front office standpoint, from a team standpoint, we love it. We're excited to feed off the energy opening night and just can't wait to see you guys again. There you go, Nick Merrick. Great stuff. From the play-by-play man, we go to the head man. From Nick Merrick to Mike Johnston, the longtime coach of the Portland Winterhawks in his second stint with this team. It, it's so fun to get a chance to sit down with him and uh, get his thoughts on the team, on hockey philosophies, how he's feeling, everything that's been going on, and uh, had a great conversation with Mike Johnston, the head coach of the Portland Winterhawks. Hope you enjoy it. All right, sitting down now with the head coach of the Portland Winterhawks, Mike Johnston. Mike, thanks for the time. I'm looking at, is this year 12 for you in Portland? Yeah, with a little separation with in the middle there yeah. when I went to Pittsburgh for a year and a half. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been a while. And I look back on uh, some of the teams that we've had here and the experiences that we've enjoyed here in Portland. It's It's been a great run so far. And right now, after training camp, we're really looking forward to having our fans back to uh, 
getting back into a little bit more of a normal Western Hockey League atmosphere, which should be pretty exciting. I mean, how nice has it been for you? I can't imagine as a coach last year where you're going through training camp and not knowing when the season's going to begin and how many games you're going to play from that then to having a normal training camp where you got preseason games, you got kids here. Just how, how much different has that been for you this year? Well, it's been very different because in a normal year, we would draft players in April, May, and then we get them into training camp. Young 15-year-old kids, we get to see them. We make decisions if we want to sign them as part of our organization. But the 2005 draft, which was our last draft that we had, we didn't see those players play. And a lot of them didn't play because they were in Canada, may have got two or three games last year. So for the first time, our scouts and our staff saw them at training camp this year. We signed four of those players and are trying to sign a fifth right now. We're excited about that group, but it was a long time without having them here in Portland. Well, I can imagine. I mean, and, and then you add on top of that, you got 14 guys, at least at the start of camp, that were gone in NHL camps. I think by my count, three have returned, right? Uh, O'Brien, I believe, is back. Hannes and was, uh, was it McCleary. Is he back as well? McCleary came back uh, today, and uh, we, had, we had 10 guys away at camps, okay. and and usually with your 20-year-olds, like Newkirk and Dubrow, when they go away to NHL camps, you assume that, that they're going to have a really good shot at making the team with the Islanders and with Tampa Bay, or at least play in the American League. Uh, Seth Jarvis is at Carolina's camp still, and he will probably stay there and play games. They'll make a decision if he's going to stay, but he's a 19-year-old player. If he doesn't stay, he has to be returned to Portland. The other players we had at camp had great experiences, but they've all come back now, which is great for us. Uh, it's really a little bit disjointed in September when we play exhibition games. We break camp, we play exhibition games, our guys go away to NHL camps, then they come back. So we're trying to really get our, our lines in sync, our defense pairs, our power play, penalty kill. But it's going to be a process over these first couple of weeks. Well, and then you mentioned some of those guys. You're kind of uh, at least thinking in your head there's a chance that they're not back. Does that go into your decision on players that you're keeping around and not keeping around, understanding that maybe some of your key guys from the last couple of years, if they stick in that NHL camp, that you've got to have somebody that's ready to replace them? Exactly. And usually we assume the 20-year-olds will probably stick. And two years ago, even though it was a COVID year, we had Ludwig who went to Florida uh, stuck in the American League, and then we had Joel Hofer, our goaltender, was in St. Louis's system, and then he stayed in the American League. So we assume a lot of those guys, especially if they're signed, that they're going to stay in the American League. A few do come back to the Western League, and it's nice to have a 20-year-old come back. If we could get DeRoe or Newkirk back, that would be a big boost to our team. But the other key guy is Seth Jarvis. If he stays as a 19-year-old, it makes a big difference in our lineup. <laughs> Just a little bit, I'd say. He's had a great career in Portland. I mean, and then if you come off of this preseason where you go undefeated. As, as a coach, how, how much can you put into preseason? I mean, I know it's, it's not quite the real thing, but I'm sure you're excited to see your young guys get a chance to play. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, you guys look great, and, and you dominated in the preseason schedule. We were happy with our play, and we did play a lot of young guys. We had four fives in our lineup, and we had a lot of 04s. So it was nice to see those guys play. I never put a lot into preseason. I often tell people that uh, until the 20-game mark of our regular season schedule, that'll show you where we sit in the league and where other teams sit because players would have all come back. Teams would have had a chance to work on their lineups over a couple of weeks. So by the 20-game mark really gives me an indication of where everybody fits in. 
But uh, I think if you were to ask any coach, even at the NHL level, you'd like to go 500 in the preseason. So to go 4-0, and we, we, we'll take that right now. Well, and I know some of the second-year guys that you've kind of highlighted played really well. I know Licky looked really good. Nguyen looked really good. Um, is, there a, is there a young player or two that you're circling right now that you think is kind of ready to take on that next step, that next role, or a bigger role, I should say, from where they were maybe last year? Well, we look at our old fours because those are the guys that played at 16-year-olds last year. And so uh, Chizowski, uh, Marcus Wen, um, we've got on the back end, we've got Thompson, we've got Cagnoni. Some of those guys, we're waiting to see how big a step they'll take because I find those are the guys that, that have the biggest jump from year to year. Certainly your 18- and 19-year-olds, they'll go from 20 goals to maybe 28 goals. But the young kids can go from two goals as a 16-year-old to 15 to 20 goals as a 17-year-old. It's their draft year, and you really see a difference when they come back after a year of summer training and also the experience in the league. That's got to be fun for you as a coach to kind of watch that development, not only from a maturity standpoint, but physically, I'd imagine, the game getting better. And that's ultimately the end goal for these guys, right? Especially you mentioned going into their draft year, and you guys have such a great track record of putting guys into the National Hockey League. But seeing that development from coming in as a young kid, recruiting them, recruiting the family, and then seeing them develop, it's got to be really rewarding for you. It is rewarding, and I often say that the best moments for us are when we sit around and, and either are at the NHL draft or watch the NHL draft, and we see some of our kids get drafted. We're like parents in the stands. Uh, we're, we feel really excited when they do get drafted. And the other thing a lot of fans don't realize is our players are 15, 16 when they come here and they move away. So these kids, uh, I give them a lot of credit, and I tell them this all the time, uh, I never moved away from home at 15, 16. I don't, I don't know if I could have. But these kids are moving away. They're, they're, they're trying to become pro players. Uh, they, they're living in a different city. As you know, they're going to school every day. They're under the pressure of playing in the Western League. They're under the scrutiny of NHL scouts watching them all the time. And a lot of people don't realize that. They're, sometimes you look at our players, and, you, and when you watch them from afar, you think they're older. But these guys are young kids, so we are a pure development league. We take them on and off the ice and try and from 15 to 20, uh, get them prepared for life skills, but also get them prepared for the NHL. Is that something that you try and do when guys make it to the next level? Do you try and track and stay in touch with them and just see how they're doing? Because I know for Winterhawk fans, it's a lot of fun. And now you have that added element of, of the NHL coming to the Northwest and being in Seattle, and you're three hours away from seeing these guys play. Do you, do you stay in touch and keep in track with, with what your guys are doing at the next level? Well, we definitely do. And the the for me as a coach, I like to talk to former players that are playing pro and ask them if they could give our players a bit of information that they realized when they got there. I wish I had known this when I was a junior player. That's what I want to know. And those are the questions I often ask them. What would you say to our kids in the dressing room right now? And I pass that information on to our guys. And right now we have guys, as we talked about, 10 guys coming back from pro camps. Every time they come back from a pro camp, a different player, we have them in front of the group talk about what they've learned. What, what is it like there from a player's perspective? Um, aside from being nervous, what did you gain from that experience? What do our guys need to know if they want to get there? You have set such a high expectation here in Portland from when you took over. I know for us around the organization long enough, we remember the days before Mike Johnston took over and then kind of the post-Mike Johnston days, and, and it is at such a different level. Do, do you feel pressure year in and year out to live up to that? Because you have set that bar at an extremely high level. But we feel the bar can always be moved, and we, we still feel there's a lot of areas where we can improve, um, whether it's scouting, recruiting, 
um, development of our players on the ice. And we do an exercise, Andy, at the end of every year where we take our staff and, and we examine every single thing we do. And don't forget the billet program, the schooling program, the community interaction. That's all part of what we do. So we take a look at those those areas and we try and up it for the next year. What can we do better in those areas and how can we improve? Even our style of play. We better tweak it from year to year because everybody watches video. Everybody knows the way you, you, you are as a team. And what can we do different to tweak it this year so that we can uh, raise the bar? Well, and on that note, I'm curious to ask you, you've been in this league, I think 2008, 2009 is when you started in Portland. How much has the Western Hockey League changed in the last 12, 13 years? Well, it's changed a lot. And, um, you know, fans will remember that the Western League back in the 90s was big, tough Western League. And and, uh, there were a lot of fights, very seldom other fights anymore. Uh, the game is stretched out without the center line. Uh, some new rules have been incorporated at the NHL level, and we mirror the NHL basically with all our rules. So rules have been put into place to make the game faster. And coincidentally, when we came in with Travis Green and Kyle Gustafson and myself, we decided we wanted to play a fast, up-tempo puck possession game. And I often talked, it, it would mirror the Oregon Ducks of the football mm-hmm. realm. I uh, said, that's the way we're going to play. And then the league started to change in that direction. And you saw teams change, league rules change. And that really helped us even take our style of play to another level. It feels like that's a debate that goes on in every sport, right? They all evolve, they all change. And do you like it, do you not? Do, do you view those as positive changes for the game of hockey? I really do because I, I, I like to see puck possession. And I like to see scoring chances. I like to see players make plays. Uh, rather than uh, dump it in, dump it out style of play, I really enjoy when players try and make a play. But at our level, there will be mistakes. And I often tell fans, I said, you're not going to see an NHL game where it's scripted and by the book. At our level, you're going to see mistakes being made. And mistakes being made on the ice because kids are trying to do things is a positive. Uh, from, in my mind, that's positive. But from a fan's perspective, it's going to be very entertaining. It can lead us to one-on-one chance sure the other will. way, yeah, right? Yeah. Some breakaway opportunities. I mean, you mentioned, too, uh, when we started that you, you've been here a long time. You took a brief break. I've always been curious to ask you what, what you learned about yourself and, and if you changed at all as a coach from your you know, brief uh, stint in Pittsburgh and then before coming back to Portland. Well, I was fortunate that um, I've been a head coach most of my life, and that's where I started as a young guy at 23 years of age. I was given a college team in Alberta, and I was a head coach there. And then I moved to the NHL, and I became an assistant associate coach, and I thought those were great experiences to learn from guys like Mark Crawford, the late Jack McElhargy, and really grow as a coach in, in the NHL professional realm. Then I came back to Portland as a head coach, um, but... The Pittsburgh experience uh, gave me an opportunity at the NHL level to be a head coach, which is, it's incredible. The, an opportunity to be in the NHL as a head coach. Uh, I'm sure all the guys that are there today, the 32 guys that are there as the head coaches would say, it's great, I hope I last, because that's what all NFL, NBA coaches are, are thinking as well. But but to lead a team and, and to go into Pittsburgh um, I enjoyed it because you're on the, I have always enjoyed the challenge. I've always enjoyed being on the hot seat. 
you have to perform. These are the expectations, and there were huge expectations in Pittsburgh every single year right. uh, with the, the quality of team they have, with expectations from ownership. Getting back to your team this year, uh, you're, you're still trying to iron out some roster details and exactly what it'll look like. The opener's coming up Friday night, then you get the home opener on Saturday. What, are, what, what is the biggest area, I guess, of concern with your current team and the biggest strength you think you have coming into the season? Well, I think there's, a, if you look at our team uh, up front, we have great depth. I really like our depth up front. We have skill up front. We have a little bit of size. On defense, we have a combination of a couple 20-year-olds, and then we have some young guys in behind them. So I really want to see how those young defense develop by the time Christmas rolls around. And then in goal, Dante Giannuzzi continues to take steps as our number one goaltender. And then Lachlan Gordon, who we haven't seen for a year and a half, has come in and secured the number two job. So really, I believe right now, Andy, we have, we have good depth. Uh, we have uh, the ability to score. As always in Portland, we want to take pride in how we defend, uh, how we play off the puck. But we want to, when people come back into the building on Saturday night, it's going to be a great game. And I'll say one thing about Seattle. They've really improved their style of play over, in my opinion, their style of play over the last couple of years. They play a more dynamic style. They've got skill in their lineup. They've drafted well. So it should be a phenomenal rivalry. All the games we play against Seattle this year should be outstanding. There's a change to the schedule. So you've got even, even more times this year, right, than you have in years past? Yes, we do. And, <laughs> and it'll, be, it'll be nice. Uh, like last year, we saw the U.S. division probably too much every single game. It would be nice to have the B.C. teams come down and us to go up to, to British Columbia and, and play those games. It'll be a nice break in the schedule, but certainly the U.S. division has almost led the Western League. If you look two years ago when we stopped play at the end of the year because of COVID, I think we had three games left. In the top 10 rankings in the, in the CHL in Canada were uh, Everett, us, and Spokane. So three U.S. teams are in the top ten. It's pretty remarkable, the success in the run. Even Seattle having those great years. Everett's been great so consistently in the run that you guys have been on. I am curious to ask you on, on a personal note, it has been a quite chaotic year and a half, two years, if you will. And you guys go from the end of 2019 having a great shot at winning a championship and then having to kind of shut, shut down shop, if you will, at the end of the year. Last year being such a weird year, an ownership change. What has the last year and a half been like for you off the ice? I'm sure like everybody else in North America, it's been crazy. Uh, just when you throw in COVID, you throw in an ownership change, you throw in a, a logo change. Um, right. We had a COVID-shortened year. Um, it's been very different, very, very different. But everybody will say that, so it's it's not unique to the Portland Winterhawks. But I'm excited. I, I li really like our logo. Our ownership group is very engaged, very committed. So there, it's a, that's going to be a positive influence on the city of Portland and also the Portland Winterhawks long term. And really, we build our team not for one or two runs. We've always been had the same philosophy in how we build our teams. Uh, we very rarely make trades. We stay with our guys. We develop our guys. We want to be a good team every year. And the idea will change. We'll trade for a player that can maybe put us over the hump, but we're not going to be all in from year to year. Uh, to try and win, and then we go to the bottom of the standings for five or six years. That's not going to happen here. So I really like I liked their group when we left uh, a year and a half ago, and I still uh, really like our group where we're at for the next two years. Yeah, with well, championship expectations, they're here all the time. Now, last one for you, Coach. I know uh, through some reliable sources that when you have social gatherings, you like to play icebreaker games, if you will, kind of get to know your games to kind of ease the tension. So I got one for you, if you'll bear with me, okay? This is a, it's a this or that game. So I'm going to give you two options. You just give me this or you give me that, okay? Coffee or tea? Coffee. 
Iced coffee or hot coffee? Hot coffee. Okay, okay. A beach or a mountain vacation? I'd have to say the beach. The beach over the mountain? Okay, yeah. okay. Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Okay, there you go. This or that with Mike Johnson. Well, Coach, thanks so much for the time. It was great catching up with you. So excited for the upcoming season. It's going to be great to watch you guys, especially with fans back in the barn. And uh, best of luck this season. Thanks, Andy. I'm looking forward to it. Can't thank those two guys enough, uh, both Nick Merrick and Mike Johnson, for taking some time out of their busy schedule to sit down with me here for the opening episode. And, you know, as I highlighted, Portland, a big weekend this weekend at the Coliseum. The Everett Silvertips, who have not lost yet this season, they already own a 4 to nothing shutout win over Portland back on Friday, October 8th. They come to town. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop on Friday night and a 6 o'clock puck drop on Saturday night. So a, a big weekend. You look at Everett, I mean, they've only played four games games. They're already in first place in the U.S. division with eight points. Seattle and Portland both trailing them uh, at seven points. So it's going to be a big, big weekend for Portland uh, trying to put that first blemish on Everett's uh, record this season. Seattle comes to town next week, so there's a game to keep an eye on. The rivals will be at the Coliseum uh, this upcoming Wednesday. And, you know, kind of the headliners for Portland early on in the season. Cross Hannes is off to a great start. Six points, two goals in his first six games. Clay Hannes on the defensive side. Love to see him having an impact and scoring some goals. He's got five points in their first six games. And then James Stefan and Robbie Fromm DeLorme uh, also off to really nice starts. Portland already has five players with multiple goals on the season early on. So that's the kind of hockey Mike Johnson likes to play. Get production from all different lines, all different positions. When they get that going, you can see that's why they've won three consecutive games and they look to make it four this Friday at the Coliseum. Make sure you go pick up your tickets for those upcoming games at winterhawks.com. It is so great to see fans back at the Coliseum and the Glass Palace. They've done a great job kind of revamping it, a new logo. It's just a, a, a fresh look for this team, a new ownership group, and just a really exciting time to be a part of this organization and have hockey back in the Northwest and have fans back in the arena. What a breath of fresh air. So go get those tickets at winterhawks.com. I look forward to seeing you out at Hawks games throughout the course of the season. And I cannot thank you enough for tuning in to episode one of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm looking forward to bringing this to you all season long. My thanks again to Nick Merrick and Mike Johnson. I'm Andy Dirt Johnson. We'll see you on episode two. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 